I said how I wrote a children's book in 15 minutes a day. That was my mentality when I started and I stuck to it for the most part. It really didn't take like huge chunks of time. It just took little small chunks of time. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. Could you write a children's book? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. One man who thinks so is John Mashney and he's recently written and published the children's book The Cinder Toot and it riffs on the tale of Cinderella. And John sent me a copy of his children's book a few weeks ago via Slack and I was just amazed by firstly the illustrations in the book and secondly how funny it is. And he also sent me along an article explaining why he wrote a children's book in the first place. And I was struck by how it's helping him spend more time with the kids and also teach them valuable parenting lessons. I don't want to give too much away because John gets into a lot of the reasons for writing a children's book in this week's interview. But that said, I was also interested in talking to John because I'm in the middle of writing a parenting book, which I've talked about before on the Become a Writer Today podcast. Uh, Right now, I've got the edits back from my editor and it's always difficult getting edits back from an editor. In fact, I was talking to one person recently who described editorial feedback as kind of like a radioactive draft. And she suggested you put your manuscript aside for a few days when you get your notes from your editor and then sit down and work through the edits one by one. And I thought that was good feedback because even though I'm all for reducing the parenting book that I'm writing down, it's still difficult to take stuff out that I've spent a lot of time writing and putting into the book. Because I have a lot of stories in the parenting book and my editor had suggested that some of the stories aren't quite as relevant to parenting as I thought they were. So I'll probably need to take a few of those out and put in more takeaways for the reader. Because I guess it's a balancing act between, you know, using stories to keep the attention of readers versus actually having points and takeaways that readers can use, particularly if you're writing nonfiction. Because I think these days nonfiction is a little bit more prescriptive than it used to be, partly thanks to blogging. Now, when I was talking to John about his children's book, I was also surprised by the amount of editorial feedback children's authors have to go through. Because if you think about it, a children's book isn't actually that long. Most children's books are only a couple of hundred or maybe a thousand words long. As somebody's got three kids, the actual real part of the children's book or the, the bit that might even take longer to create is the illustrations or so I thought. But John explained to me in this week's interview how children's authors have to say more with less and how they have to capture the attention of kids. Because let's face it, kids won't spend a lot of time reading something you know that's boring or non-engaging. John runs his own legal practice and he's also produced films. So I was really curious about why he decided to write a children's book in the first place. And his reasons really got me thinking that maybe you know that's something that I could do too, because I've got three kids, I have a two-year-old son, my daughter is 10, and I have a 15-year-old. The 15-year-olds might be gone past the point of children's books, but I still spend a lot of time reading books to our two-year-old son. And teaching my daughter to read is something that I talk about in my parenting book. I recently caught up with John and I started by asking him to explain what the Cindertude is all about. And you should hang on to hear the premise because it's definitely one of the more original premises I found in a children's book. But before we go over to this week's interview with John, if you enjoy the show, you can become a Patreon for just a couple of dollars a month. I'll give you discounts on my books, on my writing courses, and also on writing software. Or you can leave a short review on iTunes, Overcast, or Stitcher, or wherever you're listening, or simply hit the star button. Because more of your support 
more views and more ratings will help more people find the show. And it will also help me record and publish more episodes because I really do want to increase the amount of episodes publishing of the Become Writer Today show each month. Um, I've had more time to work on it over the past while and I'm enjoying recording all of the episodes. Now, with that said, let's go over to this week's interview with John. And we started by getting into the premise for his children's book, The Cinder Toot. John, I wanted to talk to you today because you've done something that I've thought about and I know other writers think about, but I don't know many writers who actually do it, which is to write a children's book. Welcome to the show. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So your children's book came out recently, and I believe you wrote it with your kids. And it has a very interesting premise, which the title kind of gives away. It's called Cinder Tooth. Could you explain <laughs> to readers what it's about? Yes, it's, it's somewhat embarrassing every time I have to explain it. But it's basically the story of Cinderella, except when the clock strikes midnight and she has to leave the ball. She's running down the steps of the castle. She loses her slipper, of course. But when she bends over, she picks up her slipper. But instead of dropping it and leaving it, she passes gas. She toots, right? (laughs) And then she runs away. And instead of the prince finding the slipper and going around the kingdom, asking all the maidens to try on this, you know, glass slipper, all the prince has to recognize his true love is the smell of her toot. And so he has to go around the kingdom asking all the maidens to essentially, you know, fart to find (laughs) the smell of his true love. I guess I know it's silly, but it's actually such a fun story. And uh, I probably told it to my kids about a hundred times and I had no intention of turning it into a children's book, but my kids told one of my best friends and he heard about it without me really, you know, sanctioning that. And then he said, you have to publish this. This is hilarious. And that's essentially the beginning of it. Yeah. As they say, every story needs an inciting incident. That's definitely one of the more creative ones I've heard about. So did you actually come up with this premise yourself when you were reading to your kids? So what happened is, yeah, I, yeah, I'm embarrassed to say that too, but yes, essentially what happened was I was talking to my kids at putting them to sleep at night, you know, as all parents do. And I just said, guys, why wouldn't the prince recognize Cinderella before he put the shoe on? Like, it just made no sense to me. And I was just kind of teasing my kids, like fairy tales don't make sense. Right. And I said, well, like, do you need to actually put the shoe on the girl before you know who it is? Right. And then it turned into me just kind of coming up with something funny off the off the cuff. And that's how really Cinder Toot was born. Me telling a funny story to my kid, trying to make my kids laugh and then eventually go to sleep. And had you told the story to them a lot before you actually <laughs> so decided to they, turn it into a book? Yeah, they asked for it every night for about three months. And yeah. it actually changed quite a bit. So the story that's in the book is, I think, the best and the funniest version. But there were many iterations. It actually started originally with how, and again, embarrassing to say this, but how my wife and I met, right? And so we were all, every family member was originally a character in the story. And then it gradually kind of, you know, morphed into a more traditional telling of the Cinderella tale. And honestly, I did 13 different drafts. So I took it very seriously. I hired multiple editors. And we went through multiple versions of the story. And actually, my favorite part was cut, right? You know, it's very difficult for me to chop it, but it was the right move. But essentially, went through a very rigorous editing process. And now I think it's very tight, very fun, very silly, and just this very uh, joy-bringing story. So what does the children's book have to include? Because you mentioned some bits were taken out. (laughs) So, Well, I think, you know, it was very you know, educational for me. I went to film school 20 years ago. So I love creating, I love writing. 
And I really had no idea what to do. Like I just had this story that I thought was funny and I didn't know anything else. It just so happened that, gosh, maybe three or four years ago now, I took a, an online course and one of the people in the course had just released a book called uh, How to Self-Publish Your Own Children's Book. Her name's Evie and she's phenomenal. And so I actually bought her book because it's kind of my you know, operating procedure is, hey, someone I know wrote a book, I'm just going to buy it. That's almost always what I do. But I thought I'll never read this book, but I, I want to support her. So I bought the book. Did you know her personally or you, you had heard I of her online? I just messaged her online. We were in a similar course and so just had a relationship, definitely. But I, no, I've never met her in person still to this day, even though I've had multiple phone conversations and emailed her probably more than she likes. But essentially, I read that book and I really started to learn what goes into creating the children's book, right? It, one of the craziest things was, was, I am a lawyer. I do intellectual property law. I do entertainment law. And years ago, this might be five or six years ago, someone came to me and I'd re reviewed many book publishing contracts, but I'd never reviewed a book publishing contract for a children's book. And someone said, hey, can you review this publishing contract? And I, I said, of course. But it really surprised me when I read the whole contract and then instead of like a, you know, a novel or a nonfiction book where you separately link or separately reference the book manuscript, the entire children's book manuscript was attached as exhibit A and it was two pages and it was literally like two paragraphs, right? It was very short. At that point, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I could write a children's book. It's like so short. This would take me like half an hour, right? I could, you know, knock this out. Certainly there's a lot more work, but that really gave me some belief in terms of, well, what are you actually writing? What are you actually creating? Mm. So I mean, a couple of things came to mind immediately when you said that. I'm sure it takes a lot longer than half an hour to, <laughs> to get a good story down because it wasn't an Ernest Hemingway or someone who said that it's very easy to write a couple of pages, but it's very difficult to write something that's quite short and succinct. Yes, yes. Kind of paraphrasing them there, but yeah. well, no, it's like it's. I think there's the Mark Twain quote that said, "You know, I I wrote a long letter because I didn't have." Oh, time that's to write the quote letter. I'm thinking of. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. It's such a true statement, right? You know, for me, absolutely. And in fact, I go through in detail the time uh, I wrote an article on Medium. If anyone wants to know exactly like the time that it took me, I mentioned to you earlier. I have a free email course on how to write a children's book where I go even more in depth into exactly how long it took me. One interesting thing for me is I am a practicing lawyer. I have four kids. I have multiple other businesses, investments. I teach at a university and a law school. I produce movies. So I really don't have any free time at all. Like I just need to sleep and eat <laughs> and work out when I can, right? Yeah. But what I told myself years ago when I started writing online was I'm going to carve out 15 minutes a day. When time came and I said, hey, I want to write a children's book. I said, I'm going to take my 15 minutes a day that I write, and that's the time that I'm going to reserve to create this children's book. And the article that I wrote, and in that free course, which is all free, I mean, I'm happy to share it with anybody. I said how I wrote a children's book in 15 minutes a day. That was my mentality when I started, and I stuck to it for the most part. It really didn't take like huge chunks of time. It just took little small chunks of time, and that's how Cindertoot was born. Yeah, I'm all for the 15 minutes a day approach, particularly for somebody who's writing on the side if they have a job. That's what I used to do because I find, firstly, you tend to go a bit longer than 15 minutes because you kind of get into a creative yeah. state. And, and then secondly, even if you just do 15 minutes, five days a week, like that adds up quite quickly with your work count. So you, you, you will get there. So that's the approach I recommend rather than trying to write for five hours on Saturday because you feel that's guilty. Right. <laughs> and, and there's no way. You'll always have interruptions. You will have 
It'll take you a little bit to get started. You know, if you just start with very small chunks, your brain learns. It's like that muscle, men- the muscle idea, right? Where it's like, you know, I only have 15 minutes. When I sit down, as soon as I start typing, I, got, I only have 15 minutes. So I have to get something on the paper or I'm just, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen today. And I think that's the difference when you have only that set amount of time is you just have this skill that develops to be able to sit down, think, you know, brain dump, get stuff out there. The other thing with the 15 minutes a day is it forced me to build a team. Like I couldn't do everything myself. And that's, I think, the real secret of using these small chunks of time is that I had to get other people to help me. And I'm not just saying like asking for help. I'm saying like paying people, right? So I hired two different editors. I hired an illustrator who I think Kate, the illustrator of my book, is phenomenal. I, I think her sense of humor... Yeah, the illustrations are excellent. They really are. Yeah, it's it's yeah, beautiful. In fact, my job. wife said, I think your story is fine. I love the pictures, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, you know, I get it. I get it. But I think it, what the way that you do something like this in a short period of time is you start off with the concept and really the blueprint, which for a children's book is the script or the manuscript, right? Is the first draft. And then once you get that first draft, now you can start engaging people. Now you can hire an editor or two editors, right? Different types. You can get an illustrator involved and then that illustrator can start doing sketches, right? If you are an illustrator, then obviously you don't hire one. But for me, I'm not. So I needed someone to do it. Similarly, even with the layout, right? And even with the marketing, frankly, right? You got to engage a team. You can't do everything yourself. And it all starts with doing the part that you can do, whatever that is. For me, it was the silly idea in a first draft. And then building that team around you that can fill in all the gaps and people who, who are very skilled in the areas that you're not. Sounds like you applied some of your skills that you've picked up from your businesses that you're involved with in teaching. It's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, if you ask me the advice that I give to my clients and to myself in terms of investing, building businesses, it's the exact same thing, right? Figure mm-hmm. out what you're good at and then build a team. That's it. You'll figure out who you need on your team and then go find the team. And then that's how you build a business or how you successfully invest or do anything else. Yeah. Good advice. So just to go back to the writing process again, because I'm really curious about this. So normally when I write nonfiction, you know, it's a, but the last, I'm writing a parenting book at the moment and I get a development editor and a proofreader. What editors do you get for a children's book? So, okay. I have an initial editor that just gave general big picture ideas, right? And gave me comments on the story itself, like big picture, right? And it's similar. I think it'd be pretty much a development editor, developmental editor, right? Then you have, with Cindertude, I did one pass there. And then I hired a different editor who's phenomenal. And she worked for, I think, Disney Publishing. And I think she made it funnier, right? And took out all the parts that weren't as funny. So I think that she made a big difference. And we, I think three passes with her. So there was a developmental pass and then two kind of like more line line passes, or I can't remember what it, what it was called, but essentially like looking at the yeah. word, you know, word choices, right? And once we got the actual story down and the development, then we started to look at, you know, specific words. And then there was a whole password, like an art pass, where she actually went in and made suggestions on the art descriptions and the artwork and broke it down by page. So I didn't even do that. She helped me do that. I mean, I gave input and I said, no, I think we got to have a, you know, I said, like, so if you've read Cinder 2, there's a page, and this is one of the first things we thought of. There's a two-page spread of all of the different maidens and smells, right? So it's very funny and the kids loved it. And the kids really made me put that in. So that was my choice. I said, no, we got to have this page. There's very little word, very little text on those pages. But Mm. that was a direction that I had. I said, no, we got to do this. But the editor came in and said, art suggestion. And, and really, that made me realize 
the first time I wrote a children's book, I wasn't thinking about how the art interacted necessarily with the text. Now, when I wrote the sequel to Cinder Toot, Children of Cinder Toot, I was thinking, how does the artwork comment and enhance the fun and the humor in the text? So I could even write something that's not funny by itself. But when you have an art you know, description or art comment that says, no, here's what you actually see, right? Then this is funny. So you say like the kid snuck out of the castle, but then you show like the guard character, who's the same guard character from Cinder Toot. The guard character is like asleep or playing video games or something, right? So it's like you have different opportunities for humor and fun with that art working. So I think that's how the editor really made a big difference in the different types of editing. So are you actually writing direction for the illustrator about what they need to create? That's right, yeah. And I didn't realize that when I wrote Cindertude. I did not think about it that way. But now I'm kind of learning, well, that's a really good source of humor. And having worked with an illustrator, the illustrator can bring so much, especially if they have a really good sense of humor. Like Kate, I feel like my sense of humor in Kate's is like in line, right? A little bit, like she makes beautiful pictures, but then she's not afraid to have the little silliness in there, right? That I think if you if you read the book, there's things you'll see over time that we put in there that you wouldn't necessarily even see you know, the first or second time you read the book. So did the editing take long? And also did the illustrations take long? It's a good question. I think it takes about, for me, by the time you go back and forth, two to three months to edit. Yeah. And I've just yeah. started the editing process on the sequel. Still, it's very difficult the first time you open the document with the revisions because it's like, you know, like I know the editor is going to tell me like, you got to cut this. Or I knew she was going to say the book's too long. I knew she was going to say certain things. And it's always that moment of like, okay, brace yourself, get ready to take the criticism. But still, it's all in, in making it better, right? So for editing, I think it was a couple months. And then the illustrations, it's about a you know three, four, five-month process by the time you go back and forth. Yeah, I can imagine that would take the longest. Yeah, Because there's first an initial sketches where she'll do sketches based on the art description right, that I've given to her. And then I approve the sketches. It's very kind of collaborative, at least for me and Kate. Like, for instance, there's a scene, and again, it's it's silly to talk about, but there's a scene where at the end of the book, you know, Ella, you know, she's trapped and she has to, like, essentially toot her way out of the uh, upstairs room. And I just said, we need way more gas, because she just had this little stream. And I said, we need way more gas. Like, this is it. (laughs) It was the first illustration that I saw. But again, like, there's that collaboration. And then you're not even done then, because then you got to do the layout, add the text, right? Do that final proofreading, proof editing. To yeah. make sure there's no typos and then work on the cover too. So it's like there's a lot of different pieces in building the book, right? It's not just like you wrote it or even you just got the illustrations. There's putting everything together. So you mentioned you didn't have a background in illustration. So when you were given the sketches and the initial concepts, what steps did you take to figure out if they were working and also to provide feedback to the designer to case? Yeah, I don't have like training. I'm not, you know, someone that can draw or sketch things. I do consider myself like a storyteller filmmaker, right? So I went to film school, produced movies. I look at it. I've always liked comic books. So I looked at it like, hey, I can give comments. And then from my own experience, reading children's books, right, to my own kids. I think the kids, reading it to the kids and showing it to the kids, that gave me a lot of context to understand and give comments. And honestly, I think once you see the illustrations in this book, it's this tension between very funny and very gross in a way, or kind of like, you know, silly. And that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be funny. I wanted it to be beautiful. But I also Mm. wanted it to take the story seriously and not a book that was just a one joke book, right? So if you're making a fart book, right, 
to be blunt about it. It's a fart book, but I didn't want it to just be a one joke book. I wanted there to be a lot of humor. I wanted parents to have fun reading it. I wanted kids to just fall off the bed, laugh and laugh and, and just have so much fun reading the book. But I also added some things in there that are maybe a little bit different, like the copyright page, right? Is silly and fun and has jokes in it where as a lawyer, I've written all these copyright pages. And I, I finally said one day, I'm going to write a different one for myself, right? That has some humor in it. And, and then similarly, even on the my bio or even in some of the marketing pieces, marketing content, you know, in the back, I tried to add a little bit more to the text than just, you know, here's the children's book. Yeah, I just looking at your copyright page. I, I think I missed the joke the first time around. <laughs> <laughs> it's my there's favorite li- page. Yeah, there's a line that says, uh, any similarity to actual events will be awesome. Thanks, <laughs> 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 <Right, Trevor. laughs> And I, I call it out too, because very early on in the process, my sister said, John, you need to make a scratch and sniff version. And I said, that's genius. <laughs> that is genius. So I put in there, I said, I, I would love to make a scratch and sniff version, but I got to sell a lot of copies first before we you know, can spend the money to do that. So just yeah. having fun with it. I mean, it's the book to me, you know, was worked on right in the middle of the pandemic. When this March of 2020 hit, I had had the book completely edited and I was just about to hire an illustrator. And I had a realization. I said, I can't work on something this silly when the world is going through this crazy pandemic. And a couple months went by. And um, what happened was I, it was about midnight one night, everyone in my house was asleep. And I found the printed manuscript that I just was printed off one day. And I started reading it. It was past midnight. Everyone was asleep. And I started reading my own book that I hadn't read in a couple months. And I started laughing out loud. Like I just was having so much fun reading it. And I still laugh when I read it. And I had this realization in the middle of the night that, you know, this book brings joy to people. It it really does. If you read it with your kids or or just read it yourself. And that's what the world needs right now is some joy. People were very stressed. It was tense, right? If you think about like the summer of 2020, there's so many unknowns with the pandemic. And that's what prompted me to say, I'm going to do it. I think this book brings joy. I am going to sell joy to people. About 30 minutes of joy. And that's what convinced me to just jump in and do it, do it with my kids, do it with my wife, have fun with it. And it's honestly been one of the best things I've ever done in my life in terms of professional projects. You mentioned about selling the book. So how, how do you sell a book like this at the moment? <laughs> you mean it just in general, like uh, the marketing of it? Yeah, if you could maybe, like what yeah, are you doing to well, promote the book? Actually, that's something that's kind of, you don't think about initially, or at least a lot of people don't think about because you think, oh, I just want to write one, right? Or I just want to yeah. publish one. And I intentionally self-published. I, did not want, I didn't want to spend the time to get a publisher. And especially since I reviewed many, many publishing contracts in my legal career, I realized you, know, you don't get that much of a royalty. The publisher really controls things. And you, know, you don't always know, are they a good publisher? Or you know, how much money are you going to make? And all those kinds of things. So I intentionally self-published because I have a marketing background and I was willing to do the work from a marketing perspective. And so I broke it down into really two phases or three phases. Sorry. There was a pre-launch, right? Where you're getting ready to launch. You're not, the book's not done, but you're getting people ready, telling a select group of people about it. You're building a launch team, right? Yeah. And there's the actual launch where you have a launch team. You have, uh, for me, I had a Facebook group ready to go. People that were excited about the book, people that I gave early access to the book. I gave them copies of the pictures or the illustrations so they could see beforehand, hopefully get them excited. Uh, and it was about 100 people that were in this Facebook group. 
And then you figure the post-launch, right? That's the third kind of stage. And so I had a strategy for each of those stages. And I'm in the post-launch now. And actually, one of the strategies for post-launch is write another book, right? That's really one of the, the things that people tell you. And that's what Evie told me. And that's what I would tell anybody is write another book. But to go back to your 100 beta readers or early readers, were, were, were these followers of your your work online or were they friends and family or all all of the above? So I yeah. sent out an email to my list. You know, I have few several thousand people on an email yeah. list that follow my writing. I said, you know, because I don't typically write. You know, my more, my writing is more um, based on reinvention, right? Leadership, business, things like that. I sent an email and said, if you're interested in my children's book, you know, here yeah. it is. But here's a separate you know list you can join. And here's a Facebook group if you want to join. And I got about 100 people, friends, family, email, people from my email list. It's, it's higher now, actually, quite a bit higher. Uh, that was the start. And then within that list, I found about 15 or so people who agreed to buy the book on the first day and write a review, good or bad, just yeah. reviews. And that really made a big difference, right? So I had, and I, actually, I had reviews before I even knew the book was out. So this is, shows you like, how much, you know, I didn't know at the time, but I didn't even know on Amazon that as soon as you you hit like publish and then there's a time period, but Amazon doesn't tell you when the book's live. So I, mm. I thought they would get like an email and then I would have to push another button. Well, a friend of mine texts me. He's like, I just bought your book. And I thought, how did you buy the book? It's not even out yet. And so their reviews were popping up. And then that uh, yeah. woman put a message in the Facebook group. I just bought it. I wrote a review and it's hilarious and all this stuff. And then all these reviews were coming out and I didn't even think, I did not even think the book was out yet. So anyway, things you learn as you do it. And are you using ads just for the post-launch phase? So I do, I, I do Amazon ads. I yeah. experimented with Facebook ads too. And I'm always experimenting. So it's been interesting to see what works, what doesn't work. Another reason why I wanted to self-publish is I could really benefit and test the Amazon ads. Yeah, I've had good luck with success with Amazon ads, but I'd, I'd be curious if they worked for a children's book. Well, it's interesting, right? There's a lot of competition for children's books, right? There is. Yeah. And even fart books, right? So similar types of, you know, toot books, fart books, whatever you want to call it, came out about the same time as CinderTube. And I saw them and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, and I started tracking them and comparing like, what are they doing? What, you know, what can I do better next time? So you mentioned you're writing a sequel. <laughs> there, the sequel is written. It's getting edited right now. Yeah. Brian, I have about 15 books, children's books outlined. Wow. That's a lot. So you're doubling down. <laughs> I think it's so fun. I think it's so yeah. fun. I really do. And what's interesting is too, I've involved my kids. So my kids yeah. love it. They come up with the stories. Every story that I will write a children's book about is a story that I've told my kids and that they liked, that they loved. Yeah. And I go to the kids and I say, what's our next book, right? And they said, Children of Cinder 2. There's a great, my version of Rapunzel, by the way, is going to be amazing. That was the <laughs> next book the kids want to come out. And then I yeah. have a Santa Santa story that's going to be incredible. And then actually two Santa stories. So I'm going to see if I can get that Santa story out by this Christmas. And then the next Christmas, we'll get the next Santa story out. But there's just so many fun ideas that we have had as a family that I'm also using as a way to teach my kids. You said you're writing a parenting book. I think that's awesome. Yeah. This is a way I'm teaching my kids how to start a business. We talked about the process. We talked about who we're going to hire. We talked about what's the price of the book going to be. We decided as a family, we're going to give away a percentage of all the money and we're going to pick who we're going to give it to. The kids, right? It's got to be organizations that help kids that are my kids' ages. And the kids pick three of them and we got to write checks right off the top. Gross money in the door, 
we're writing checks, we're going to give the money away. So it's a way to teach the kids how to be responsible, be entrepreneurs, how to execute, how to have fun, how to really enjoy what they're doing. There's so many amazing benefits. And you know, to me, like the actual financial benefits are certainly we're trying to make money, but the financial benefits are not the greatest benefits at all. Yeah, I, well, I didn't consider any of those benefits. Can anyone write a children's book based on what you what your experience is? <laughs> I think absolutely. I mean, I, if you really wanted to do it, and that's why I said I created this free email course, goes through my exact process. I tell you some things I thought about that I really never shared with anybody and that I didn't yeah. learn from any children's book course. I mean, I've taken multiple courses, lots of different courses online, but I share my approach. Like for example, one of the books I read really convinced me that I had to have a children's book that I could share or do give a pitch, right? Or elevator pitch in 30 seconds, describe the book and someone would know whether they wanted to read it or wanted to buy it or not. And that was something that I really wanted for my books, right? So here's the story. And like we said at the beginning, right? Cinderella story, except we changed something silly, right? Hmm. And I picked that up from Ryan Holiday in his book, Perennial Seller, right? I really wanted it to be able to spread, right? And that's something I talk about in my course is how I thought about the book. And what you'll see if you pay attention over the next one to two years, the books that come out, they they all have something where if you describe, if I describe it to you, you're going to want to pick it up or you're not, or you're just, you're going to be repulsed, right? But yeah. either way, it's going to evoke a strong reaction and you're either going to love it or be like, okay, I'm out. This John guy is super weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I suppose the title even is in the tooth sums it up. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. So, so where, where can people take your course or buy Cindertoot? So Cindertoot.com, right? You can, there's links to everything on Cindertoot.com. Yeah. And it's C-I-N-D-E-R-T-O-O-T.com. And then if you want the free course, Cindertoot.com, there's a link or go to Cindertoot.com slash free course. It's also on Amazon. So you can go right to Amazon too. Cindertoot.com has some extra resources, some pictures, some links to my articles. And uh, you can subscribe if you want. If you're if you want the course, great. If you don't want the course but just want updates when the next books come out, you can subscribe to a list, and I'll give everybody updates. The easiest way is go to Amazon or go to Cinder2.com. If you want the free course, there's a link Cinder2.com/slash/free-course, and there's a bunch of other fun stuff. What you'll find too, I'm redoing my personal site, so once that's up, there will actually be some fun secret areas of my own website that are tied <laughs> into Cindertooth. So I love puzzles. I love games. And so all of my books are going to have some weird, fun things about them. So just pointing that out, I refuse to reveal all the secrets. Right? <laughs> You're going to have to find them on your own. But that's that's the kind of stuff I love. And I hope kids love that too. And is the book in print stores as well? I just got a curiosity. No, just on or Amazon. Amazon. Okay. Okay. Yep. I think uh, in time I'll look at the different distribution options. And, and actually that's on my to-do list. I want to get the next next couple books written. And then yeah. as those are getting illustrated, then I can work on the more, you know, marketing and distribution angles. Well, it's really nice to talk to you, John. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for uh, having an interest and so much fun. It's been the most fun thing that I've ever done professionally is writing this book and working on the future books. So thanks for uh, being curious about it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. 
more reviews more ratings and more shares will help more people find the become a writer today podcast and did you know for just a couple of dollars a month you could become a patreon for the show visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes your support will help me record produce and publish more episodes each month and if you become a patreon i'll give you my writing books discounts on writing software and on my writing courses 